welcome to Film Fragments, a podcast where we take fragments of an actor, director, or genre and tell you our favorites from their catalog. My name is Brian Sophia. I'm your host, and I'm so excited to welcome you guys to today's episode where we're going to be talking about the films of Marvel's biggest fan, Martin Scorsese. Very excited to talk about this guy who obviously loves Marvel. Just, oh my God, he is Marvel's biggest fan. That joke's going to be stale very quickly, but so we're going to move away from that. And I'm going to introduce my guest. I am so excited, so excited to welcome Amanda from Candid Cinema. Hi, Amanda. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to talk about Marty and all of his movies because there's so many of them and it's really hard to kind of pick your favorite. So it's going to be good. There are so many to choose from. Like, it's insane how many films that he's directed. He's been directing films since the late 60s. The guy's going to be 80 at the end of this year and he keeps on going. It's absolutely insane to me so i like to throw a curveball question when we have our guests on so i wanted to ask you if you could take one character from a martin scorsese movie to a family dinner who would you take pick one guy and pick one girl who would you pick Oh my God, I would have to go with Lorraine Bracco <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Good fellas. Um, I love her. Um, and then I had to do Karen. Um, oh, out of the guys, it's hard. That's so hard. Oh my God. I'm going to have to go with oh, probably like Pesci from casino like joe pesci and casino was like a whole vibe i think that'd be a lot of fun that would be a that would be a great <laughs> pick <laughs> he's great i i like not that i want to get into it after but like I, I really like that movie anyway but yeah it's it's good i would do that for sure <laughs> those are great answers i love both of those answers yeah. i would definitely like to have dinner with both of them and invite them to family dinner with my family right. yeah. uh, for me it's really tough. I feel like most guys would pick, you know, Naomi, Margot Robbie from Wolf of Wall Street. Mm. But honestly, I'm going to go with Sybil Shepard from Taxi Driver. I, I would personally like to bring her to family nice. dinner. You know, she would get into a lot of interesting conversations and she would probably throw some information at me that's very insightful. But also, she's just insanely gorgeous. She's so pretty in that mm. movie. And I would definitely like to bring her a close second is actually Michelle Pfeiffer from the age of innocence. Like that's yes. a close second for me. And in terms of the men going off the age of innocence, easily down, they lose in that movie. 100% easily. Like, yeah, I, I watched that movie for the first time this morning and I really loved it. It's not on my list, but um, yeah, can I just, I, I'm just going to acknowledge that Day Lewis, Michelle Pfeiffer and Winona Ryder are three actors that have aged wonderfully these last few mm -hmm. years and that might be the prettiest that all three of them have looked like Daniel Day Lewis and I'm as soon as that movie started I'm like you know I, I know I would <laughs> easily drop all the girls in the world and go date that man I would absolutely 100% <laughs> go date Daniel Day Lewis like I love it oh my god like oh mm, I, I'm glad that I got to ask that question because I thought about a great question to ask the entire day and I'm like what's a good one to ask and then the dinner one it's just because yeah. there's so many great characters there's so many great characters to choose from it's true and then going into talking about martin scorsese mm. one of the greatest filmmakers working today 
Very celebrated, has tackled so many genres. Of course, he's primarily known for tackling the crime genre, a game changer to that. So, Amanda, why do you think a lot of people love Martin Scorsese so much? Like, why do you think a lot of people consider him one of the greatest filmmakers, not just working today, but just of all time? When he goes, he will be Mm -hmm. heavily regarded as one of the all time greats. My God, don't even say that. He's getting older. And just like every time, because even hearing about like Ray Liotta, like it just, they're getting to that point where like they're getting older and it just it hurts me so much to even talk about it. But I know. Um, I think with, with Marty is the fact that he knows how to craft a story incredibly well and he can just engage, like he can bring any audience member into his world. And I think that's really incredible to create an atmosphere in every single film so that to get like that engrossed in these characters and attached to these characters um, on top of the fact that he knows how to tell a great story um, and to like adapt the script with like visual aids and all of that, his imagery um, is really strong. Like he just works with everyone so incredibly well. He loves collaborating with the same people over and over again because they understand him. Um, and I think that's really important too, as a filmmaker with, you know, across his entire filmography. Um, but it's his attention to detail. I think that's the most important thing in every Scorsese picture is that he's so meticulous and everything has to be spot on. Um, and he creates just beautiful frames that stay with you. Um, and I just, I love that about him. And I think that for someone to be universally loved by so many um, with the amount of films that he has you know, created, it's for general audience members, it's for, you know, film nerds like us, you know, like he's made films for everybody. And I think that's why everyone loves him because he just wants to tell this story the way he wants to tell it. And he's like, I'm going to show you some good things. And this is what he has. So yeah, he's just an excellent storyteller. And uh, I love him for that. He's able to immerse you into the worlds that he creates with all of his films, whether it's the crime films, whether it's a film like Hugo that is so imaginative and so like it's so inviting and warm. And then you get into like a very depressing era, like silence or the last temptation of Christ. Like you're you're immersed with the worlds that he brings to life you don't see these actors, you see the characters that they're playing. And Marty's the kind of actor that gets incredible performances out of all of his actors. Like I can't really name a lot of weak performances in a Scorsese film because it's so hard to find one because everyone gives 110%. Even if I'm watching a film from him that I'm not as crazy about as others, I love the work that is presented. Like you said, the imagery, Uh, The choice of music is very common with his movies, like the great needle drops, especially with the Rolling Stones, Mm -hmm. like his choice of music is meticulous. And that's definitely Mm -hmm. something that's going to be brought up quite a lot throughout this episode tonight. And I just love how even though a lot of people look at him as just the guy that does crime films, he's tackled different genres. Like he's not someone that's just stuck to one genre. Yes, Mm -hmm. primarily a lot of his films are crime-based, but you look at a film like Hugo, which is not a crime-based film. You look Mm -hmm. at something like The Last Temptation of Christ, which is not a crime-based film. You look at something like The Age of Innocence, which is not a crime film at all. You watch a film like Mm -hmm. that, and you don't even think that Martin Scorsese made that. It's incredible how versatile he is. And... I mean, I I get excited anytime the guy has a film coming out. Like, it's like an event. It's 
It's like a holiday. Like the day that the Irishman came to Netflix, I'm like, happy Irishman day. It's like a Martin Scorsese holiday. It's just so great. And I'm so excited (laughs) to talk to you about him. Like I have been watching some of his films throughout the last few days in preparation for this. There's obviously a few films from him that I haven't seen because some of them aren't available to stream anywhere. New York, New York, I really wanted to see because that feels so much Mm -hmm. like a film that I would love. And I haven't gotten Mm -hmm. a chance to see it because you can't find it anywhere. And then Kundun, which isn't a film I'm as interested in, but I'm interested Mm -hmm. because it's Marty directing it. And that's not available anywhere. And it's like, uh, hello, it's Monsterosese. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) They should all be on Criterion. I don't know what you know i don't know what they're doing oh, like everything we'll, oh, we'll, there. we'll get to a particular film that is long overdue of being on the criterion collection we will get to a certain film that is long <laughs> overdue of being on the collection so i'm yeah. so excited to go through our list i'm excited mm-hmm. to hear what you put on i'm i'm a little scared <laughs> oh. just to see what you omitted um there's no wrong okay. answers here okay. it's your list and i will always respect what people put on their list yeah. maybe deep down i will talk about you behind my behind your back but that, <laughs> it's all out of love and respect so the way this is going to work everyone is we're going to go through a five through one now if amanda has a film that's higher on my list i'm going to say pass and the same goes for her if i talk about a film that's higher on her list she's going to say pass so amanda what is your number five favorite martin scorsese film of all time Oh man. Um I'm I'm oh god it's so hard to number these. Um I'm going to go with uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. I'm going to put that in number 5. It should be higher up on my list cuz I loved it so I was obsessed with it when that thing came out. I read the book and everything. Um I I really loved it. It was like his switch to digital too, which was really important cuz he was coming into the new age with that. And uh, I think that DiCaprio deserved an Oscar for Jordan Belfort. I think he was absolutely robbed with that role because for me, when it's like a Leo Marty team up, like, yeah, you have the dramatic pieces that he was in, like the aviator and like gangs in New York. And he's an incredible actor, but I feel like the more Leo worked with Marty, the, the, you know, different range that he has in each film. And like, you could see his growth with him. Um, So with Wolf for me, it was just like, outrageous and excessive and like it was one of the most fun Scorsese pictures to watch and like you didn't even care what happened to Belfort you're like yes give me all this excess like let's just go party and like we just wanted to watch it he pulled a great performance like out of Jonah Hill as well and then we were introduced to Margot Robbie like it's just a phenomenal movie in, in my opinion I it is a bit long but obviously like I, I could have sat there for four hours and I'm fine um but it's the fact that there was just so much life into this, like in this movie, the soundtrack, I listened to it constantly. There were so many great moments in this, like in this film. And also like Matthew McConaughey being in it, like that was just like perfect casting on top of that. Yes. So (laughs) I'm just going to go off on like a little tangent. When that movie came out, I was in my first year of film school and um, I went to go take my exam and a friend of mine, we went to go watch Wolf of Wall Street together. We were sitting across from each other during the exam and we just started... (laughs) like this was like we're gonna pass this exam but like we did it we just spotted each other and it was like (laughs) hilarious if you want to know how obsessed i am with like scorsese pictures but um i just think that it's such a well-rounded film um he knows how to really lock you in to the protagonist and just watch his rise and fall and like you don't have to even like the person but he makes you like them even though they're doing terrible things and like that's okay that's okay because he's showing you the destruction of his life as well 
And you get to see that. And I think that he does that so well, obviously in reference to Goodfellas at the same time, but he makes all of his characters likable. And I just think that you can connect with them on a certain way, even if, you know, they're not that great of a person. So I, I absolutely love the Wolf of Wall Street and that's my fifth one. Pass. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> so my so my number five is a complete opposite. We're going from a very fun movie to a really incredibly depressing film. My number five is Raging Bull. I really wish that I was able to put this higher on the list. I rewatched this just a few days ago. I hadn't seen it in years. It's been a long time. I think this was only my second time watching the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I just came to Criterion. Beautiful 4K uh restorated a beautiful one of the best 4ks i've ever seen but we're not here to review the 4k we're here to talk about the movie (laughs) itself so robert de niro as jake lamada might be the best acting he's ever done and there that's saying a lot considering how many incredible performances robert de niro has given especially under martin scorsese i mean he's worked with him on like 10 films and obviously they're doing kills of the fire moon together um I think when you look at sports films, this is arguably it's obviously not the most rewatchable. It doesn't compare it to a film like Rocky or any other sports films that are very entertaining and everything. Raging Bull is a very disgusting film. You feel disgusted after you watch it. It's so dirty. It's so depressing. You like you said, kind of hinting with Jordan Belfort, Jake Lamada is a he's disgusting. He's a terrible human being. He's obviously an incredible athlete. He's fantastic at what he does, Mm -hmm. but you kind of feel a slight amount of sympathy for him because you could tell that he is a very broken human being. And that's the thing that Marty does really well with a lot of his characters. His characters are very broken and you may not necessarily condone what they're doing in said film, but you feel a little sympathetic towards them because you could tell they're human. They're broken. Mm -hmm. They're doing bad things, but they're human. And in the long run, Jake LaMotta, the transformation that De Niro put into him is insane. The boxing sequences are impeccable. And this was shot, you know, 40, this movie came out 40 years ago. There are boxing Mm -hmm. films that come out now now that aren't as well done as Rage Bowl was. And that's saying a lot considering how far we've come with filmmaking yeah. and everything. I mean, the this contains like the, I think all the sequences here are, are incredible. This yeah. might be my favorite editing that Thelma Shoemaker, Scorsese's collaborator has ever done, which is saying a lot too, mm-hmm. because she's edited every single Scorsese film since yeah. this one. I think, I think they've, she's done every single film of his since this one. And she isn't stopping, you know, she's not the youngest person either, but she edits like she's in her twenties. It's incredible. Like it's incredible. The it's, I can't stop gushing about Velma, Velma Shoemaker. She is one of the best editors ever. If I ever made a film, I want her to edit it so badly. (laughs) I would love to have her stamp on my work for raging bull. It's a beautiful portrait of a terrible man. And yet it's shot so stunningly. The black and white imagery is incredibly gorgeous the opening sequence is one of the best of all time the score Mm -hmm. is incredible and unfortunately this is the only martin scorsese paul schrader collaboration i have on my list i think when they work together it's like magic i think 
they're a perfect pair and like writer and director. They did four mm-hmm. films together. And I think this is the best one they've done again, saying a lot because, you know, they did taxi driver together, which is also another masterpiece. Um, yeah. but, but I, I love raging ball so much. And just, again, the transformation that De Niro put, I mean, he got really bulked up and then he got really fat and it took him forever to lose that weight. And yeah. I remember watching this for the first time, not knowing that it was him. I, I was under the impression that it was just makeup. I was under that mm-hmm. impression. And then when I read that he gained the weight, I mean, that's commitment. And I was talking about this with someone not too long ago of how it is annoying when you give Oscars to people for just losing weight or gaining weight. And obviously De Niro did both in this movie, but it wasn't an Oscar for that the performance was just incredible. Like it's mm-hmm. arguably one of the best performances that I've ever seen. And his, and Joe Pesci too. I mean, oh my God, like, so oh my good. God, the, the, what in literally the open, like the opening 20 minutes when they're in the kitchen, he's like, just hit me, hit me, hit me, hit me. Like incredible stuff, like great dynamic between the two of them. They've obviously worked together many mm-hmm. times. I just love this movie so much. It is a very difficult watch but it is one that's absolutely compelling from start to finish because of how it's written, how it's directed, how it's acted, how it's shot, how it's edited, just all everything put into this movie was done beautifully. Are you going to pass or is this not on your list? Pass. (laughs) (laughs) So excited to hear you talk about it. So now going into our number fours, what do you got? Oh man, I actually have, uh casino up there i really really enjoyed casino and i just feel like it it was a different angle entirely for him i love the costume design i thought that was like such a like a thing for me to see all these vibrant colors de niro's and like in all of these beautiful suits um but the thing with this picture is that he he nailed Vegas. It's hard to capture Vegas because everyone has a different perspective of it, but I think he really brought it to a ground level, a very human level, as we said, that he carries that out um, in all of his films. I thought Sharon Stone was a complete knockout in this movie. She was phenomenal. <laughs> and to go like toe-to-toe with De Niro too just blew me away. Um, I just thought it was really interesting to have Joe Pesci in the role that he was in as well. Um, and I feel like whenever it's like a Joe, um, it's a Pesci, De Niro, Scorsese picture, I feel like they, they kind of like trade roles sometimes in, uh, in, in how they are. And I just love that they can feed off of each other and kind of bounce off of each other and kind of accept that power change. Um, as actors and uh, characters in his movies. So I thought that that was really cool in Casino. Um, and obviously I have to mention King himself, Don Rickles being in this, who is just like a total gem. And I love that he uh, that he wanted him in his film as well. So I think it's just a very fun movie, but it really depicts that lifestyle incredibly well. And I absolutely love Vegas. I love it. I love going to the casino. I love it so much. So to get that kind of angle to it and not many people talk about casino um just because i think like more of like the other mob films they kind of take over and then it's just like very overshadowed for whatever reason um but again like the editing was really strong the camera works so good in this too just to like go through um the casino the tracking shots he's always famous for like it just everything about casino for me um is just a lot of fun to watch 
just because these characters are really interesting to sit with. The dialogue's really good between the three of them as well. Um, but yeah, I love Casino. I think it's underappreciated and more people should watch Casino. <laughs> so yeah. So Casino is not on my list. Uh, unfortunately, it's one that I've only seen once and I haven't seen it yeah. in God knows how long. It's one that yeah. I've been trying to go back to. I think the runtime threw me off a little bit, which is strange because- yeah two of the films that are on my list are really, really long films. Yeah. And I, I was talking about this on my last episode that I did with Jonathan, the film drunk, when we were talking about Aaron Sorkin, I'm not really a guy that cares about gambling per se, but there's something about Mm. how it's depicted in some movies that really compels me. And I'm not sure what it is exactly, but the way that Scorsese was able to do it, I mean, of course he was going to nail it because he's Scorsese, but also it was really cool seeing him do a film Mm -hmm. in a different location because all of his crime films were pretty much set in New York. This was his first time going out of New York in a crime film. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really exciting. It's, it reminded me a lot of when he did the Departed and that was set in Boston. That's obviously again, another completely different location for him. Because yeah. he, Mari's like the New York guy. So for him to make a movie set in Vegas, that was like a exactly. really big leap for him. And it's so interesting. It's so great. Uh, the needle drops, of course, are great. The performances, I mean, yeah, Sharon Stone, I mean, she was unbelievable in this. I mean, of course, she is breathtakingly gorgeous, but her performance was mm. unbelievable. And she got nominated for an Oscar for it. Of course, yeah. De Niro was great. Of course, Pesci was great. Don Riggles, yeah, he... I mean, he blew me away in this. And I remember yeah. watching this when I did. And I didn't really know his face at that point. I was like, why does his voice sound familiar? And I'm like, oh, my God, it's Mr. Potato Head. How did I not think <laughs> about this? But it was so cool hearing him speak Martin Scorsese dialogue. And that's this actually came out the same year as Toy Story. So it was really cool that, you know, he did a, a family film, you know, the film that launched Pixar. And then he did this hardcore R-rated epic crime film from Martin Scorsese. So it's a really great film and james woods oh my god oh my god he is terrifying in this he is so good james woods always freaks me out in anything that he's in (laughs) and yeah i i enjoy casino very much i wish that i had gotten a chance to rewatch it before we hopped on to record but you know things Mm -hmm. happen personal stuff happens but i'm definitely gonna give it a rewatch very soon um yeah i it's a a great film and i'm glad that we got to talk about so my number four is a film that you just talked about uh wolf of wall street that's my number four i remember also being very obsessed with this film when it came out now obviously Mm -hmm. i I am younger than you i was 15 when this came out and i remember (laughs) i remember dragon i think i think i went to go see this with my dad i don't remember who took me yeah i went with my dad on christmas night to go see it and because, you know, feel good Christmas movie, let's go see The Wolf of oh, Wall Street. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, The Rise and Fall of Jordan Belfort. It's a very interesting story. I have the book as well. I read the book. I thought it was great. Mm. And the adaptation of it was excellent. Um, this film is three hours long. And, yes, you could feel the runtime. Did it have to be three hours long? No. Did I want anything to be cut out? No. I thought everything was great. Like every scene had a purpose, even if you think it didn't have a purpose. And the cast, I mean, Leo, absolutely 100% 
should have won the Oscar for this. This should have been his first Oscar. This should have been the film he won his first Oscar for. I like The Revenant. It's a good film. It's a good performance. Mm -hmm. But let's be honest. That's not a film that you give someone their first Oscar for. That's more like a third or fourth Oscar, not a very first Oscar. Exactly. And, And the thing with Leo in this film is that he hadn't really done comedy before. So it was interesting to see him tackle this role. I mean, yeah, he's played dark characters like Django Unchained, the, the character that he played in that was very darkly comedic and everything. But this is yeah. this is a comedy compared to that. Exactly. And I mean, he goes in with the performance. He goes really in. There's a lot of cussing throughout this movie. It's like 500 uses of the F word. Uh, it's very <laughs> hardcore R rated. And uh, yeah, Jonah Hill was incredible and margot robbie i mean what a de- what a debut truly like like one of the best <laughs> fake new york accents i have ever heard in my life yeah so when i saw the movie and obviously i hadn't known who she was at that point and then i saw an interview of her and i'm like oh my god she's australian like how how Even do better. you nail this <laughs> accent so well it's it's so incredible and Matthew McConaughey's time on the screen is great. Kyle Chandler, one of the most underrated actors ever. Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights. If yes. anyone out there listening is a Friday Night Lights fan, please hit me <laughs> up because I need to talk to more Friday Night Lights fans. Great as the cop. John Bernthal, awesome in his role. So I mean, good. you don't want to mess with him. He's a very intimidating looking man, but he seems like a very sweet man as well. So, um, and who else? I mean, the ensemble here was John Favreau. He was in this for a little time, period of time. John Dujardin, he was in this for a period of time. My mm-hmm. favorite supporting performance from this movie was actually Rob Reiner as his father. He was incredible in this. He was so loud and so bombastic. The first scene we so meet cool. him when he's just sitting down watching the TV and he's like, who the fuck has the goddamn call to call this house on a Tuesday night? Like, it's he's inc- so funny. He is so <laughs> funny and then he just go, he's like fucking hello <laughs> like he just shifts from very angry to so calm yeah. it's incredible it's so so good and yeah i mean i got like a quote this movie for hours it's so good they're the sequence I when know. they're on the plane and he's strapped up and he's like where are the loot's donnie and he's just like they're on my ass don't worry about it <laughs> like just the way he's like, that whole the- 15 minute sequence like literally of him like losing um the ability to the like paralysis paralysis going into the car like it was just a mess <laughs> just the way like, he delivers the line to you and honestly uh, like another thing with scorsese that's very common there's a lot of narration in his films i don't know if leo's narration is my favorite it's tough because like he narrates so good and the narration fits this movie so perfectly it's incredible like literally when he's rolling down the stairs and you just hear him go fuck the kid makes it look so goddamn easy oh my god just i'm on the phone (laughs) oh my god oh my god I, i couldn't stop quoting that with my friends when this movie came out. Like I could I not know. stop going, get off the phone. Like just, <laughs> oh my God, I can't understand you. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, oh my God. This movie is so good. It's so, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, Jordan Belfort. I, I mean, yeah, like yeah, very, very unlikable guy, but I mean, what an arc 
throughout the movie. I mean, he starts off so oh, yeah. likable and so innocent and then he gets into yeah. all this stuff. And then, you know, by the end, like he's broken, but you could just see that he's trying to better himself. Like you could just see it. Yeah. Like the whole non-alcoholic beer conversation, a very touching moment, a very funny moment too. He's like, Oh, yeah. what, the beer doesn't fuck you up or whatever. He's like, no, I'm not an alcoholic anymore. <laughs> like, I love, yeah. I love, I love this movie so much. It's so good. It was one of my favorites of the decade. I think it was my favorite that year. Mm-hmm. I could rewatch yeah. this over and over again, considering that it's incredibly long. There are films that are shorter than this that feel longer than The Wolf of Wall Street. That's not a good right. thing to say. That's not a good I thing know. to say. If you can make a three-hour movie be so compelling and not feel long, yeah, then you then you know what you're doing. You know what exactly. you're doing. The Wolf of Wall Street is so entertaining. It's so funny. I want Marty to make more comedic movies. I would love for him to do another comedy. It would be really great for him yeah. to do. And yeah, I, I, I love the movie so much. And I'm so glad that we both had it on our list. Yes. Yes. I'm so happy. <laughs> Same here. So now number three, what do you got? I actually have Raging Bull in the third spot, but you said it beautifully. I agree with everything that you said. For me, when it comes to boxing films, like it's really hard to actually put the perspective in the ring. And I think that he did it extraordinary. Like it was just fantastic watching it back. The POV, the camera placement, the bulbs flashing, the light, like just everything you're in his head and then you're in the ring. So they're using it as like two different um two different forms in that case uh and i thought that was really interesting the black and white added it like a nice touch to it you could felt you could feel like it was dated um especially when it it did come out and i think that that is like his best like best picture you know like it made sense like his first best picture type of situation so i i really liked i just loved it and of course pesci De Niro together just aces. And like you said, it's a really hard movie to watch. It's so hard to watch, but like they draw you in and you want to know everything. Um, and the, when he, when De Niro added that weight, like I actually, like you get emotional watching it. Cause like he went through so much in, uh, in this movie as Jake LaMotta and that one scene at the end, when he's like talking to himself in the mirror, um, like it's just so powerful and one of De Niro's best performances. And it, it has to, this has to be like top five on everyone's list. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Like, it is just so good. Um, especially like early on in his well, middle of his career, that's when he kind of like hit his stride and he's like, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do type of thing. And then that's why he kept making banger after banger after banger. And it worked out for him. Literally, he was making banner after banner after banner at that time. Yeah. Like he had done like. Alice doesn't live here anymore. Taxi driver, the last waltz, New York, New York, this can comedy after hours, the last temptation of Christ all back to back like it's. An incredible lineup of films. And also, I want to shout out Kathy, Kathy Morat. I'm trying. The person that played his wife. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal, phenomenal yes. performance. Um, She was unbelievable. Like, I feel bad that I forgot to mention her because she. Oh, my God. I mean, I. Oh, my God. I just. Mm. <laughs> so now my number three. My number three and my number two could go back and forth. Like they go back and forth all the time. But I'm going to go with my gut here and say that my number three is one of his more underrated films. It has a huge cult following. 
hardcore Scorsese fans love this movie so much. He hasn't really made a movie like this in a long time. He hasn't made a movie at this runtime in a long time. And also, I'm saying this right now, where's the criterion for this movie? My number three is After Hours. After Hours is one of my new favorite comedies ever. I watched it at the height of the pandemic when the pandemic started because I had never seen it before. And I'm like, how did I miss this movie? Because this movie is one of the best that Scorsese's ever done. If you want to watch a movie about a person's incredibly shitty night, I mean, it doesn't get better than this. Like, it literally, you, it gets worse and worse for this man, Paul, the entire night. Griffin Dunn is, is, oh my God, he is so good in this movie. I don't know how they didn't nominate him for this. Like, I think the Academy has a problem of overlooking comedic performances. And this is one of the best acted performances in any Scorsese movie. Griffin Dunn, is great with the comedic timing. You feel for the character. You're scared for him, but you're also like, uh, I don't know. You're a little fishy, but honestly, he was just trying to go out and have a normal night for himself. And I love the way they bookend this movie. It literally ends where the movie starts. I think that's brilliant. I think that's <laughs> incredible. And the cast assembled here, this is a great ensemble. I'm just going to load up the ensemble right now. Like, the ensemble here is incredible. So you have Rosanna Arquette, you have mm. Cheech and Chan, you have Terry Gar, and then you have a pre Home Alone, John Hurd and Catherine O'Hara before they were in Home Alone together. And I love that so much. I think that's great. I love the fact that they were in a movie together before they made Home Alone. And the music by Howard Shore is great. Thelma's mm. editing, of course, is great. And it's a very darkly funny movie. Like you feel disgusted after watching it. You, you want to take a shower after watching it. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, the way that Paul looks at the end of the movie, it's like, okay, time to go take a shower, but it's so engaging and it's only 90 minutes long and it flies by so quick. And the last time that he made a movie this short was when he made this movie almost 40 years ago, all of his movies pretty much after this were two hours or more. He hasn't really made any movies below two mm. hours or under yeah. two hours since this movie. And it's like, listen, Mario okay. could do whatever he wants, but it would be interesting to see him do another hour 45 movie. If he listen, if he want, doesn't want to do that, it's totally fine with me. But it would be interesting to see if he could ever pull that off again. And I'm sure he can. But after hours, criminally underrated. One of the funniest movies I have ever seen. And just. Again, Griffin Dunn's performance is fantastic. And I, I cannot stress this enough. He looks like Noah Baumbach in this movie. I remember I saw an image of him in this movie and I'm like, oh my God, he looks like Noah Baumbach. I'm like, when did Noah Baumbach become an actor? Oh, it's not him? Oh, shame. <laughs> but yeah, I love After Hours. I love this movie so much. You know what? That was a great way to sell it to me because it's the only blind spot that I have. <laughs> I haven't watched it. I what? know, I know. You're lucky I, I wasn't drinking my water. It. I almost spit out my water. You're <laughs> so lucky I didn't drink it. <laughs> um, I need to watch that. I really do. That's the one that it's it's always hard to find that one uh, for me. Uh, but yeah, I do want to watch it now because you completely sold me. <laughs> I would just, I would just rent. It's worth renting. Just rent it. It's it's worth yeah. it. Trust me. It will. It's it's really underrated. Like. 
And everyone's been clamoring for a Criterion of it for years because there's no proper Blu-ray release for the movie. But also the Criterion channel puts it on their service like all the time. So it's like, okay, stop putting it on your service and actually make a Criterion release because it would do so well. I would buy that day one. I wouldn't even wait for the sale. I would just buy it day one. I would pay $40 for it. I don't even care, honestly. <laughs> there are a few I movies know, that come to the here. Criterion collection that I would pay full price for. I paid full price when Parasite came out because that didn't come out during the sale. Fair. And I would absolutely pay full price for this movie because it is so incredible. Again, I would love for him to do more comedic stuff. And yeah, he injects some comedy in his movies, but... He really doesn't do it that much anymore, which is disappointing. But hey, that's okay. We have these comedies to appreciate, and that's okay. So now we get into our top two. I think we have the same top two. I don't know what order we have them in, but I really think we have the same top two. So I'm not going to take any guesses. So, Amanda, what is your number two favorite Martin Scorsese film of all time? Um, I have the poster (laughs) over there. So, um... (laughs) The Irishman came out at a time where it just meant I was going through a lot at the time. Um, And I think the reason why I love mob movies so much is that there's this, you know, this brotherhood um, and that there's loyalty um, and that it's not always about, you know, the family that you're like blood related to is the people you choose. And I think that that's why I always gravitate towards uh, those mob films. And I think with the Irishman, um, I had, you know, lost a really close friend of mine. It was like a whole thing. And then watching the Irishman and seeing like Harvey Keitel, De Niro, Pesci, um, you know, all of them together, Pacino working with Scorsese. And at the age that they are, you kind of get emotional because you're watching this and it's like, this is the last time that we're ever going to get those like that caliber of actors in the same cast and it's like it's a whole mixture of things but with the irishman even though it comes in at like three and a half hours um it felt like two with the way the thelma like edited this and i thought it was really special to have them all together i really love the storyline i love the way that it was edited i love the way that it was structured um and i think they all gave pretty incredible performances and for me it's just something really close to my heart and the reason why i love the last half hour is that the pacing in the first two hours was really, really strong. And then you get to that like last half hour and it just slows down a bit because they're older and they're looking back and they're being really reflective um, on their entire life. And it just made me really emotional because then I was looking at like my own grandparents and like I'm really close to them as well. And this is the first time that we actually see mobsters um, thinking about their life and they're like in an old age home, they're about to pass and all of that and they're dealing with death. Um, and I think that's just a really different take. It's a fresh take, especially for Marty to do, because you always see these mobsters in their prime. And I think that to break it down in that way and show a different side of it, a different perspective um, at the age that they are was really special. Um, and I do have to add one thing. I remember the whole argument with Anna Paquin saying that she had no line. She had this and like she was underused and all of that. Like all the men were talking and it's like, do you know how powerful Anna Paquin's performance was in the Irishman? Like literally her like looking at her father just said more than like words could have ever even expressed in that film. And I think that people overreacted because 
every single Martin Scorsese picture has a very, very strong, either like supporting like woman or like lead woman. He really loves crafting these characters. He never shuns the women. They have like some of the best parts in Martin Scorsese pictures. So that really bothered me. But Anna Paquin, literally out of all the women that he's ever, um, you know, cast in his films, like that role just really stuck out to me. And it was the quietness um, that really got to me. But The Irishman, for personal reasons and as a picture in itself, was something different for his filmography. And I just absolutely adore that movie. It's my number two as well. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I have it too on Criterion. Dad, that was a day one Criterion that came out during the sale. Damn. It was a day one. Mm-hmm. So I have a very special story with The Irishman. So, you know, I had followed this film pretty much since it was announced, you know, the idea of De Niro working with Scorsese, because prior to this, De Niro and Scorsese hadn't worked together in a film for almost 25 years. The last film they made together prior to this was Casino. And they had talked about wanting to work together again for a really long time. And then they got an Al Pacino who had never worked with Scorsese before, but he's obviously worked with De Niro many times. And then they brought Joe Pesci, who was pretty much retired from acting, and they spent years, years begging him to come back. And he's like, okay, I'll do it. And it's like you said, we're probably never going to get a film like this ever again. Like, with this director directing these three legends, not just, like, legends in the crime genre, but just these are three phenomenal actors like they're all incredible actors and they've changed the game for a lot of people who want to act but also they've captured the hearts of a lot of film watchers like you and me and whoever's listening to this podcast the irishman is one of those movies that um i remember walking into it i was incredibly excited for it but i was also kind of scared that i wasn't gonna like it i don't know why I had my doubts about it. I think it's because, oh, it was a very long production. And then the de-aging CGI you heard about Mm -hmm. and the three and a half hour runtime. And I was very fortunate enough. And this is something that I will always be grateful for. I got to see this at the New York Film Festival world premiere. First first screening in the world. Uh, They had the press screen that morning at 9 a.m. And then I went to the first audience screen at 3 p.m. that day. I remember I was so nice. nervous going there. That was my first time going to the film festival. And I purposely only bought an open and night pass just so I could see this film early. It dropped $400. I'm not ashamed of it. I saw a bunch of other great films at that festival too. I saw Portrait of Lee on Fire. I saw Uncut Gems. I saw Parasite. I'm very happy with what I saw at that festival. Marriage Story, I saw that too. I, it felt euphoric and very surreal seeing Marty in person and then De Niro, Pesci, and Pacino. Like I had been watching them on on my screens for years. I mean, Joe Pesci, I've been following since I was a kid because I well, I would watch Home Alone every Christmas when I was a kid. And then I, as yes. I got older, I would watch you know all of his Scorsese films and the Lethal Weapon films. And then same with De Niro and Pacino, I would watch them in countless amounts of films. And just seeing them in person is something that I'm never going to forget. Like I'm so grateful that I got to go to the screen, but the movie, it left me feeling somewhat that I wasn't anticipating. I got really sad when the movie ended because 
you know, the movie tackles, I think the best thing about those last 30 to 45 minutes of the movie is that there's so much regret. There's so much regret. And you hadn't seen that in really any of the crime films that Scorsese had done. Yeah, a lot of the Scorsese films have tackled the fall of some of these people, but not to this extent to where there's so much remorse and regret. And the thing with the character of Frank Sheeran, who I, I, you know, I don't get how De Niro was not nominated for this movie. I don't understand. I, it baffles me. Like, listen, I'm happy Pacino got in. He was incredible. I'm happy Pesci got in. He was incredible. But how do you not nominate De Niro? Some of De Niro's best acting is on display in this movie. Mm -hmm. That phone call scene is one of the saddest scenes I've ever seen in my life. And just the fact yeah. that the camera stays on De Niro, doesn't cut, and you can just tell in his voice that he is broken for what he's about to do. It hurts me every time I've watched the movie, and it hurts just thinking about it right now. And I'm like tearing up now that you just said it. Like <laughs> so am I. My eyes are getting watery too. Yeah. And um it's really some of the best acting that De Niro has ever done. And I really don't understand how he didn't get nominated for this. Like it just shocks me truly that he didn't get nominated anywhere for this. And I mean, he plays the the titular, the Irishman, it's him, it's his story and they don't even nominate the guy. And it's sickening. It's one of the biggest, I don't like using the word snub, but it's one of the biggest snubs. Of the past it few is. years, not just at the Oscars, but everywhere. Nobody nominated him. The Sags, the <laughs> Globes, no, no one nominated him. And it's disgusting, in my opinion. But this movie, I mean, when it's yeah. entertaining, it is incredibly entertaining. The needle yeah. drops throughout the movie are so great. I mean, the song that it opens up with the in the still of the night. I just it's yeah. so it's so good. It's oh my god. And then it plays again throughout the movie. The editing, I mean, again, if you're able to make a three and a half hour movie so compelling, I mean, Velma, big, big round of applause. I'm trying to think of one, one best editing at the Oscars. I think it went, I don't even know, a Ford feet Ferrari. I mean, that was a very cool edited movie. Yeah. But I mean, the Irishman, it didn't even win anything at the Oscars. It didn't win don't anything. Even- don't even start me with that. <laughs> listen, listen, it didn't have to win best picture. Parasite was my favorite movie of the year. Same. I'm happy that Parasite walked away with the Oscars mm-hmm. that it did, but this should have won something. It should have won yeah. something. Listen, I love Brad Pitt. I thought he was great once upon a time in Hollywood, but why didn't you give it to Pacino or even Pesci? One of the two. One like, of them. Like, yeah. And the thing is that was so different about all that. I mean, Pesci was so terrifying in this, but he was very subtle. He wasn't Mm -hmm. loud and angry like he was in uh, Casino and Goodfellas. He was very calm. And that's what made the performance a lot more terrifying. The sequence where he goes into his house in the middle of the night and there's blood covered. And obviously, you know what happened, but you didn't see what Mm -hmm. happened. Like, like it seems like that that make this movie so incredible. And Mm -hmm. Everything with Jimmy Hoffa. I mean, Pacino knocked it out of the park. It was a beautiful performance. And, you mm-hmm. know, I just like, I mean, even though I knew it was coming, what happened, I still jumped out of my seat. 
Yes. And I remember there were so many sniffles when I went to go see this at Lincoln Center. So yeah. many sniffles. Like, it just got so quiet. And, like, even though I knew it was coming, it just still shot me. And, again, it's beautifully shot. I mean, like, gorgeously shot. So and, nice. honestly, I mean, yeah, the D-Agent does look a little crummy at times. It does mm-hmm. look a little wonky. But yeah. for the most part... I, I thought it looked pretty good. It didn't bother me because the movie was so good. I was able to like push that yeah. aside because the movie was so good. The performances were so good. The writing was so good. The directing, like the imagery, the score, the, I, I love Sebastian Maniscalco's little cameo in this movie. I loved his riddle. Yes. Of happy birthday. Happy birthday. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, my <laughs> God. He's so, oh, just so good. He's and so fun. He's so, he's so fun. And, it's just interesting to see certain actors pop up in this movie. Like when I saw the movie, pretty much the entire cast came on stage. When Ray Romano came on stage, I don't know why I laughed because he's so funny. I love, I love Ray Romano, but you know, I, yeah, I, I, I loved his little role in this movie, Bobby Cannavale and a pack when I agree with you 100%. So she good. didn't say a lot throughout the movie. Okay. Whatever, whatever, but it makes it, it adds a lot to the performance. The last sequence with her where, where he goes to the bank and sees her and he just ignores, she just ignores him. And he just says, Peggy, Peggy, like, Oh my God. Oh my God. It's just, oh my God. I'm going to cry. Just thinking about it. Oh, I know. God. this this movie is more depressing than people think it is like the last shot. Oh my God. One of the best last shots in any movie I think I've ever seen in my life. The last shot was perfect. The they, they ended oh, in, a perfect way to end it and i just remember being like again they're never gonna make a movie like this ever again like this might be the last epic crime film that we ever get i know i know I, it makes me maybe so down sad. the road we'll get another <laughs> epic crime movie but like not from scorsese though <laughs> and i'm gonna be honest if scorsese had gone on stage and said this was the last time he was ever gonna direct the movie this would have been the perfect last movie for him to direct 100%. This would have been the perfect swan song for him, like the, because it feels yep. like an. It's not just an ode to the gangster genre and the gangster films that he directed. It's like an ode to Scorsese's career. Yes, that's exactly how I felt. It's a perfect yeah. amalgamation of everything that he's done throughout the last fifty plus years. It's yeah. a celebration of his work. And again, we're never going to get a film like this. That whole party sequence is so lovely and so fun but then it's also so terrifying you know there's yeah. one of the shots that gives me chills is when it shows jimmy dancing with anna paquin and then it pans over to jo- uh russell joe yes. pesci just standing st- oh my god yeah see the thing for me with joe pesci is that he's never been capo like he's never been the head of like and of it. And I think that that's why I wanted him to win. I wanted him to win an Oscar for it because it's such a different role for him to take. It's so different. And like you said. Yeah. And that's why when I watched it, I'm like out of everyone, of course, like everyone's freaking talented. Of course they are. But just to get a more reserved role out of Pesci and like absolutely nail it and terrify you in the way that he did. Like I honestly got a tattoo because the line it's what it is that line delivery oh my god for me like just stuck <laughs> with me especially because of like the meaning behind it and like yeah I, I literally got it because it just puts everything into perspective all the time like you literally 
cannot change anything. It's what it is. If their mind is set, it's going to happen. That's it. That's the way like I took it. And that's why it's like so important to me. And at the time that like it came out, I was going through whatever I had to go through. And it was like, it just stuck with me. And I got a tattoo from the Irishman for like that reason. Cause I loved it so much, but that line delivery for everyone, my heart stopped when you said it, like it was insane. Oh my God. Can we also just talk about how funny it was when uh, Jimmy Hoffa was ranting in his office and then Frank walks out he's like, what do you mean where I'm going? I fucking quit. He's like, why? Why are you quitting? You're, You're yelling at me. me. Like, I didn't even see you there. How can I be yelling at you if I don't even see you there? Oh, my God. Love- to his Pacino- fucking father's. It's I'm going so to prison. Funny. You understand? I'm going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> when Pacino oh. snaps, like it is my favorite thing in any uh, movie. Solidarity. When snaps. Solidarity. Solidarity. <laughs> it's so good. He's phenomenal. The whole thing, like everyone, even seeing Harvey Keitel working with um with oh, uh, I, I loved his again. little time on screen. So I, I I was very happy yeah. to see him in this because he hadn't right? worked with Scorsese and God knows how long he he hadn't worked with him. But I mean, we could do a whole podcast on the Irishman. It's literally one of the best films of the past. I honestly will go on a limb and say that's one of the best films of the whole century so far. I really think it's that special of a film. (laughs) And I will never I saw this three times in theaters and I've watched it probably three more times since. Like I've seen this movie so many times. And people are like, why are you watching it so much? It's so long. And I'm like, yeah, why are you binging eight hours of the same show every time? Like, Exactly. See, the trick to watch The Irishman is you have to start it at like 8 p.m. And then it'll take you (laughs) the whole night. And then it's like midnight. And you're like, okay, fine. It doesn't feel that long because you're watching. And then you'll go to bed feeling depressed. (laughs) You will. I cry every time. Oh, my God. Like, I cry all every single time. It just moves you. And I always have like a glass of wine when I watch it. Cause like I need to unwind <laughs> and cry and just do that. I just don't think we'll ever get anything like this again. No. And you know, it's so sad. I'm really happy that like, it's shocking to me that like no studio wanted to make this. No studio wanted to back this film concerning it's Martin freaking Scorsese directing it. And it's going to be De Niro, Pacino and Pesci, but everyone was worried. Oh, it's going to, lose us a lot of money i i guarantee you that if this film had been released by a proper studio sure it wouldn't have made a billion dollars but i think it would have done really well if under the right studio and it was obviously a big hit for netflix like a lot of people checked it out on netflix and i'm really happy that netflix gave scorsese the money that he needed that to bring this story to life and I'm glad that I got to see it on the big screen. I'm really happy that my first time watching this was on the big screen because I wasn't going to let the first time a new Martin Scorsese movie came out. I wasn't going to make that. I wasn't going to watch that at home for my first time. So when Killers of the Flower Moon comes out, if it comes out this year, which it which it better, I am going to the theater to see in that. I am not going to watch that from the comfort of my home. Listen, I like watching stuff from home. It's nice and lovely sometimes. But for a Martin Scorsese movie, I mean, come on. I I, I need to see mm-hmm. that on the big screen. I, I have Same. to. I have faith that Apple and Paramount are going to do really well with that movie. We'll talk more about yep. Killers of the Flower Moon later when we'll talk about the films that he has coming out and everything. But 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. The Irishman is incredible. And um, if you haven't seen it at this point, I mean, what is the matter with you? I know that it's <laughs> long. It, it is really long. It arguably is probably the longest movie that, I, that I've seen on the big screen. I, can't, I think I've only seen five movies on Same. the big screen that are more than three hours. This is one of them. I would say probably Wolf of Wall Street, Endgame, Titanic, and Schindler's List. Yeah. I think those are the only films that I've seen on the big screen that are three plus hours long and yeah i mean yeah i mean there's so much great to say about the irishman and yeah the whole cast incredible everything was great Mm -hmm. de niro should have been nominated the film (laughs) should have gotten at least one oscar it should have won best adapted screenplay it should have won a screenplay uh if it had won editing i would have been very happy with that Honestly, if it, had, if it had walked away with Best Picture, I would have been very happy with that. Like, I would have been okay if Parasite didn't win. I would have been okay yeah. but deep down. Like, I'm glad that it was Parasite because obviously that was a game changer of a win. And it deserved to walk away with that award because it, 100%. Ob- it objectively was the best movie of that year. But The Irishman yeah. was a good second best movie of the year. So, 100%. <laughs> now going into our number ones again, like I had hinted at before, we may have the same number one. I don't know. I'm going to be shocked I if hope. you have something else as your number one. So, <laughs> what is your favorite Martin Scorsese film of all time? It is The Departed because I've watched that thing over and over and over again. The cast is incredible. Uncle Jack Nicholson um, was absolutely bonkers as Frank Costello. Another massive snub. Another massive snub. Oh, my God. It was just so sad when uh, when that happened. But for me, it was his first like it was his first best director win after like so which was shocking. It should not have been exactly. And like, I just had so much fun with the departed. The story so intricate, the way that they like the editing again is just so like smart. And like, it's just so detailed the way he did it. I think it's one of um, DiCaprio's best performances. I absolutely loved Mark Wahlberg in this movie. I know all of Sergeant Dignam's lines was that I shouldn't because they're all really bad lines. What's your favorite line by him? Oh my God. Oh, Jesus. Um, what was it now when he says uh, I'm the guy who does his job you must be the other guy just the way he like like that line delivery is so funny it's a clean one I'll give you the clean one on this one but the way he snaps it's just like it's so funny um I thought Matt Damon was really strong in this too um and I'm a sucker for like Boston accents so like the whole movie was like oh you and me both you and me yes (laughs) I love it so much but this whole thing the cast worked together so incredibly well it keeps you guessing there's so many twists and no matter how many times you watch it you're catching something different and you're also like still in shock that the twist is coming even though you know it's coming like it's just absolutely unreal to me it's so fast-paced um and it's very engaging you don't know like who to like trust, who to believe. And like, again, like I say, like I've rewatched that almost like, I don't know, like 50 times. Like I, I was obsessed with the departed growing up. Um, and I loved it, but I think that it's just, I feel like it's his most like well-rounded film and it makes complete sense for it to be, you know, best picture winner. And even for his direction as well, like it just made sense that he won for that. Um, that's another cast that like, you're never going to get them all together again. Um, and I think that that's why it's like, it's so, it's another one that's so important to me because especially with Jack Nicholson, 
like especially with him in it and like Vera Farmiga is really good as well so um I I love that movie I love it it's like something I'll pop on like once in a while and just bask in it because it's just so fantastic and that final shot with the rat going across the balcony remember that entire situation when they like they had to take it out and they omitted it. I'm like, that's the most important final shot of them. Like, what are you talking about? It that's makes literally sense. one of the most important final shots of anything ever. Like, yeah, I, that whole controversy. I'm like, you guys are just not paying attention to what he's saying at all at this point. But it doesn't that surprise is my me. favorite. favorite. <laughs> no, it doesn't surprise me either. But that's like <laughs> top tier for me. I will recommend it 150 times over because it's just so good. Yeah, I have a Departed. The Departed poster is right there. It's like, it's yes. hard to see with this camera, but it's. I, I see it. Unfortunately, it's not my number one. My oh, number one no. is this one, Goodfellas. Ah, uh, fair, fair, <laughs> fair. I got you. <laughs> so, um, before talking about Goodfellas, I, I mm-hmm. have to talk about The Departed because, oh yeah. my God, I, <laughs> Boston is probably my favorite city here in the States. I love Boston. I used to be a massive Sox fan. I will still support the Sox, but they've been really crappy these last few years unfortunately <laughs> but that being said i i love again like bringing it up earlier i thought it was so out of left field that scorsese who is a hardcore new yorker decide oh hey let's do a film in boston like right. completely out of his wheelhouse and the fake boston accents i love fake boston accents so much they are so ridiculous and so goofy and so exaggerate but when you think about it deep down that's how people from boston sound dicaprio in this film is on fire he is so good he squints his eyes so much throughout the movie and it makes me laugh i don't know why but it's just so his eyebrows his eyebrow acting was on point (laughs) i think the best the the moment where the squint and eyes stuck out for me in this movie was the sequence where he's in the therapy session with the very lovely and very stunning Vera Farmiga. Oh my God, she is so gorgeous in this movie and she is so great. Like underappreciated talent. Oh my God, she is so great. Like when he grabs the pills and he's just like, two pills? Great. Why don't you just get me a bottle of scotch and a handgun to blow my fucking head off? I love it so much. It's so good. Jack Nicholson. God tier. God tier. How do you not nominate Jack? How do you not nominate Uncle Jack? Like, seriously, how do you not God do it? Tier. Matt I Damon know. had never played the despicable character like this before, and it was so out of left field seeing him play this character. Mark Wahlberg, mm-hmm. great performance. And <laughs> the entire ensemble, once again, Vera Farmiga, great. Um, Anthony Anderson was here, and that was shocking. Yeah. Really, really good supporting role um, for his time yeah. on screen. Ray Winstone was very good. Marn Sheen. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So good. Oh my yeah. God. And what and what happens with his character in this movie? Jesus. Yeah. My God. I remember just when I so saw good. this for the first time, and it just like this is one of those movies that I wish that I could just watch again for the first time because like I didn't Same. know what was gonna happen. I didn't see any of this coming. So when all these other twists happen, and it's like Oh, DiCaprio's doing this. Matt Damon's doing this. Jack Nicholson is doing that. It's like, it's it's so much to process, but it's so good. I think this was a worthy first best director win for Marty. It wouldn't yeah. have been the film I would have given him his first award for. And I also think it's very cool that this film won best picture. I think it's really cool that a crime, yeah. a modern crime film took home the award for best picture at the Oscars. 
And mm-hmm. I I like Blood Diamond, but Leo should have been nominated for this. Like I got so mad when that happened. <laughs> like, like he he should have been nominated for this. It should have happened. And Jack Nicholson should have been nominated yeah, too. I agree. I'm happy that Mark Wahlberg got in. I think that was a very deserving nomination, but same. It Leo should have been nominated. And yeah, the last 25 to 30 minutes of this movie, the, the third act of this movie is absolutely phenomenal. It's it's very on the edge of your seat. You don't know what's gonna happen. I I think for me, the most intense scene, and I mean there's so many, is the sequence that goes from the movie theater to the alley when the phone rings and then you just see the close-up on i think on dicaprio's face oh my god like i know oh my god i know yeah, the it's ending, just so good the, the ending is i i, I, I never know. looked at, <laughs> i never looked at either of those actors the same way again after that i know oh my and then it was yes, yeah just oh my god it's so great it it would be number six for me it was so close it was so close but goodfellas (laughs) for me yeah i've watched it countless amount of times i think arguably it might be to a lot of people their favorite film from scorsese but there's not there's not a wrong answer because there's so many films you could choose as your favorite martin scorsese movie and this is definitely one of the more rewatchable films that he's done. It's so entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's so quotable. The three leads in this movie are so great together and separately. De Niro mm-hmm. crushed it. Joe Pesci won an Academy Award for this performance. Tommy DeVio yep. is a hell of a character. He is so funny. The funny house sequence is one of the most quotable sequences of any film ever. One of the best scenes of all time. And then, you know, this still stains just talking about it. When we, when we lost Ray Liotta a few months ago, it, it honestly broke. It broke me first. First of all, I mean, he was not that old, you know, know, when we lost him. And we still don't know exactly what happened at the time of this recording. You know, he passed away in his sleep. But just the line of work that he left. I mean, this performance is just so iconic. He disappeared into the role of Henry Hill. You don't see Ray Liotta. You see Henry Hill. Yeah. Fantastic character arc. How this performance was not nominated. Again, like, what does a guy have to do to get nominated (laughs) for an Oscar for a Scorsese film? Like, what does he have to do? Seriously, this is an incredible character, a fantastic arc. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the whole backstory. I love the flashbacks. I love Lorraine Bracco. Oh, my God. Let's talk about her for a second. Queen. <laughs> Literal queen. <laughs> she is in two of the best mob gangster things ever. This and The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. I mean, that woman is a chameleon. She's a chameleon. No, the, the role of Karen couldn't have been played any better. Lorraine did such a phenomenal job with the character. The sequence where she has the gun over Henry while he's in bed. <laughs> you're fu- so good. You're fucked up, Karen. You're nuts in the head. Oh my god, just mm, I love it. Best scene, back, best shot. The best. Oh my god, one of the best shots of all time. Just uh, the the, tra- the dragon shots, so the club. Can we just talk about that too? 
Yes. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> it's so taste. good. Oh my God. And yeah. I think all the time, I'm like, the diner. Oh, the diner stuff. Right? Oh my God. So good. What yeah. about when he breaks the phone booth? Oh my God. Knocks over the Unreal. phone booth. Like, um, are those very sturdy? I guess they are. Wouldn't know. But <laughs> my favorite moment in the whole movie that I love quoting is when he walks across the street. He has the pistol in his hand, smacks the neighbor, the abusive neighbor. And just the way he says, it, I swear on my mother, if you touch her again, you're dead. <laughs> oh, my God. I I love it. I love the way. And then you and then he starts walking back and then he has this scary look on his face. Oh my God. It's terrifying. Ray Liotta. I mean, God, God bless his soul. But he was a terrifying man. <laughs> He was. <laughs> he was really good at playing terrified people, but then he played very wholesome people like he did in Field of Dreams. And it's like, oh my I God. Know. Like, again, a, a talent gone way too soon. Goodfellas yeah. is so great. The music, the screenplay, the pacing, the editing, the acting, everything. Everything about this movie is perfect. For a long time, this was my favorite film of all time. For a long time, like almost 10 years, this was yeah. my all-time favorite movie. And then just last year, it moved down to number two, and now it's number four. <gasps> Why does it keep going down? What is this? <laughs> I don't know. I keep watching Bat to the Future and Sideways a lot, and they keep moving up. I don't know why. <laughs> but I, I, adore, I adore Goodfellas so much i yeah. mean again it's one of those films where if you don't at least like it i would love to know why like i would be so curious yeah. to know like what makes you not at least like the movie listen you could like whatever you like you could hate whatever you want to mm -hmm. hate and maybe i'm just crazy but there are plenty <laughs> of movies out there that are just so hard not to like and yeah. this is one of those no, movies totally. honestly like it's one of yeah. this is one of those movies because it's so rewatchable. It's so quotable. I, I just, and the little sequence with Karen's mom, I don't know why that makes me laugh every single time. <laughs> Dude, what can you do? He's not Jewish. And then he just comes back to the house and then he just starts laughing. The laugh, oh my God, the laugh that Henry does throughout the movie. One of the best laughs I ever. Uh, if they made, uh, and I'm not saying like, like if you like the movie or not, that's totally fine. I bet you if they mm. made Joker in 1992, like, Ray Liotta yeah. would have played the Joker. Yes. I guarantee you he would have played that role if they made that film in the 90s. Like that would have been tailor-made for him. But yeah, Goodfellas, iconic. One of the best films of all time. I really was shocked when you said that The Party was your number one. I was like, damn, I wasn't right. But I love being Ron at the same time. So yeah, so talk a little bit about Goodfellas. I like it. I like it. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's not something I go back and watch for some strange reason. I swear to you. Right. I, I have no idea what it is about it. Like, it's not something that I'd be like, I'm going to watch Goodfellas soon. Maybe it's the, the length. And I feel like for me, like the pacing wasn't, um, I don't know. Like it felt off for me and I don't know what it is. Maybe because I watched it as a kid and I shouldn't have watched it as a kid. <laughs> it's my dad's fault. Um, maybe I watched it so many times and like broken pieces, like when I was younger that I just never go back and say like, it's my favorite that I revisit it. Um, but you know, everything that you said the like the actors are incredible. The performances are incredible. And like Lorraine Bracco for me, like 
she's the star of that movie. I don't care what anybody says. Like she's just fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's not like it's, it's not like it's not on my list. Like it's probably like six or seven, um, for me, but, uh, I know why everyone loves it because I do enjoy watching it. It's just not like as rewatchable for me. Totally understandable. Yeah. And I respect your yeah. opinion, even though deep down, like it should have been on her list, <laughs> but I, I listen, I love your number one. I love all the films that were brought up today. So before we get into talk about some of the films that yeah. we unfortunately had to not put on the list, let's recap our list. So Amanda, what yeah. is your list from five to one? Yeah, so I have The Wolf of Wall Street at number five. I have Casino at number four. I have Raging Bull at number three. I have The Irishman at number two and The Departed at number one. And to recap my list, coming in at number five is Raging Bull. Number four, The Wolf of Wall Street. Number three, After Hours. Number two, The Wolf of Wall... No, wait, I said Wolf of Wall Street. Wow, I can't talk. Oh, my God. Number two <laughs> is The Irishman. <laughs> and number one is Goodfellas for me. So that is it for our list, guys. So let's talk about some of the films that didn't make the cut. So, Amanda, what particular films do you want to give a shout out to that unfortunately didn't make your top five? Other than the films that we talked about on our list, right. what other films would you like to give a mention to? Yeah, so I have three of them um, because they easily became my favorites. Um, and they're very underappreciated. I think that no one really talks about these films. And I think that Scorsese did an incredible job with these three. So I'm going to go like old school Scorsese and go with Mean Streets. I thought it was so freaking well done. The, they had like religious undertones, the color tones that are used in there um, for like heaven and, and hell. And the way that they he brought that into the movie was really strong. I thought Robert De Niro for like a younger performance from him and even Kaitel. Um, I thought it was just so refreshing and it was more experimental from Scorsese's, um, you know, from his filmmaking standpoint, like it was just early on. And you could tell that it was like the seventies, it was experimental with what he was trying to do and kind of get his tone and like his sense of direction. Um, but I thought it was really interesting. I, I really enjoyed that one. Um, then what, I don't know why I love De Niro in this role. It's very like, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know what it says about me if I really liked him in this movie. Um, I absolutely love Cape Fear. I think Cape Fear is just a film that I watched like at midnight and I was just like, oh, what is happening? I was like, oh, Lord. Counselor, come out, come out wherever you are. <laughs> like just the phone calls, just everything about the it. The movie theater um, scene. Yes. It's <laughs> so good. It's fantastic. But like, I couldn't like not love De Niro in that role. I don't know what that says about me. I'm really sorry. But he's like, incredible like, in that. He's incredible he's in that movie. That, that, he transformed. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not as crazy about that movie as I wish I was. My dad loves that movie, but yeah, that performance is insanely phenomenal. That's an incredible performance. Right. Oh it's my so God. Good. And even like Jessica Lang, she's in it. She was so Jessica like Lang. strong in that. And then a Juliet young Jennifer Lewis. Lewis. Sorry, Juliette Lewis. Yeah, like it was just it was honestly watching that at midnight was a poor decision because then I could oh not my sleep. God. I didn't sleep at and all. Then, and so, then Nick yeah. Nolte the whole time was just like, that's Katie going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
literally like it was just so good took me out and like if like i feel like no one talks about that being one of his best too like it was just such a strong movie through and through um so that was another one and then the third one that i'm going to talk about um i had a tom cruise marathon during lockdown basically Uh um and the color of money was a blind spot and it doesn't feel like a Scorsese picture, but I absolutely adore the color of money because it was just so much fun. This one is actually my favorite film that Thelma Schoonmaker edited just because of the pool scenes and just how crisp it looked. Like it is just really well done. And like Paul Newman is like the coolest person to ever walk on a movie set like he controlled that screen and you have a young tom cruise acting with a seasoned paul like it was just so freaking good and i did not expect to be that engaged in like a movie about pool and they freaking smash it like i i love that movie so much so yeah those are my three honorable mentions I I love Mean Streets. That movie is so great. That's one of the first movies I watched in college. One of my my freshman year of film school, we watched that in one of our classes, and I was so blown yeah. away by it. And I rewatched it. Uh, in the Color of Money, I actually just watched for the first time this weekend. Um, that that was great. That was a great movie. Um, Tom Cruise. I mean. He's hot. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastro, whatever her name is, she is hot. And Paul Newman. Oh my God, Jesus Christ, he is so hot in this. Right. Uh, he's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> the 60-year-old Paul Newman, he looks incredible in this. You know, I know. And you're just like questioning everything. You're like, okay. you're, you're like, am I going to look like this when I'm 60? Am I going to look like this or am I going to look like someone else? Like it's <laughs> no, that, that movie was just so entertained. That's a really entertaining movie right? uh, for me in terms mm-hmm. of honorable mentions. I mean, obviously taxi driver is one of the greats love taxi driver yes. great great movie i just watched the can comedy for the first time recently i thought that was incredible i was really shocked by how long i slept on this movie a massive blind spot for me and de niro in that i mean you want to talk about another unhinged performance that was so incredible he knocked it out of the park in that and Jerry Lewis, too, I thought was really funny, too. And the way he ran, he ran a lot like this. He was running so ridiculously like this the whole time. And in my head, I'm like, maybe Jerry Lewis should have gotten an Oscar nomination just for how he ran. Like, just the run away. yes. I loved <laughs> the canned comedy so much. Great, great film. I also want to give a shout out to one of his documentaries that I just checked out, The Last Waltz. If you want to talk about how you do a music documentary or a concert film, this is how you do it. You you give us a little bit about the band, who ironically is named the band, and you, <laughs> you give us enough information about them to people like me who doesn't know anything about the band. And yet you give us a compelling look into them but you also give us a hell of a concert. Oh my God. I cannot imagine what it was like to be in this audience for this concert. I mean, I, I'm starting to really take a liking towards music documentaries, concert films. I think, honestly, I think after what Peter Jackson did with get back with the Beatles stuff, I think after he did what he did with that, I mean, I would love to see more stuff. And what quest loved it was summer of soul. So it's oh my god 
I'm so happy I saw it on the big screen. I yeah. was really shocked too when I went to go see it and I, there were so many people there. And I hadn't watched the trailer for it, but I just knew about it. And everyone's like, oh, this documentary, Summer Soul, is so good. And I'm like, all right, I'll give it a watch. Questlove, sure, he's cool. And then I watched it and I'm like, oh my God, this is like one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. Like, yeah, I watched it at Sundance. Like I watched it at Sundance and that was unreal. The 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 footage, the restoration of the footage is like so sublime. It's incredible. And like similar to the, the last waltz, I mean, they just released a 4K Criterion event. And I watched it on the Criterion channel and I desperately want to buy that 4K because it probably looks absolutely stunning. Like it looks <laughs> stunning. The footage was great. Um, and Shutter Island, I love. The Aviator, mm -hmm. I love. The Aviator has one of the yeah. best plane crashes I've ever seen in my life on screen. Um, yeah. Leo's performance in that is top tier. Him constantly going, come in with the milk, come in with the milk, come in with the milk. Like I, yeah, great stuff. Kate Blanchett as Catherine Hepburn. So good. So good. So good. So good. And the ensemble there yeah. is massive. Um, yeah. I, I am not a religious person whatsoever. I adored silence so much. That movie Same. broke me. That movie broke me so much and talk about a film that nobody went to go see. I know it's, it's very hard to watch it. I don't know if I would consider that the most difficult movie that he's, I don't know. I feel like, I think Raging Bull has a little bit more of a rewatchability factor than Silence, probably mm -hmm. because Raging Bull is like a full hour shorter than yeah. Silence. But Silence is one of those movies that really makes you think a lot. Yes. The whole sequence where, you know, Andrew Garfield's character was at his lowest and, you know, you hear the voice and he's like, just step on me. It's okay. Like, I... I started to cry. Like I started to cry. Yeah. And I think that might, it's hard because I mean, the social network I adore, I think that might be the best acting Andrew Garfield's ever done. I don't 100%. know. It's, it's really tough to say because I mean, he's delivered so many incredible performances one after the other, but yeah, I mean, it just doesn't get better than that. I think he got nominated he got nominated for the wrong movie that year because he was great in Hacksaw Ridge. But like after watching Silence, I'm like, and you nominated Rodrigo Preto for like DOPD for Silence. That was the only one that they got. And I'm like, so you did watch the movie and like Andrew Garfield was right there. So it just didn't make any sense why, I mean, Hacksaw got in instead of like Silence. Like I just didn't understand why that even happened. Clearly, the Academy loved Hacksaw more than, or it was more accessible to them. And like, I, I really liked Hacksaw Ridge a lot. I, I thought that movie was really good and his performance yeah. was incredible. And I'm glad that he got nominated for something, but he should have been nominated for this. This should have been nominated for more stuff. I mean, honestly, I would say that maybe this is the best looking Scorsese movie too. I think this is the most striking Scorsese movie. I think the imagery here is very haunting. It's yeah. so beautiful. Like the shots in the desert Gorgeous. and in the middle of the ocean are so foggy and so yeah. it's, it's hard to describe, but like, I remember when I went to go see this movie, when it came out and it just, I didn't know how to articulate it right away, but I walked Same. out of it going like, I do love the movie, but I don't know if I could ever watch it again. And I rewatched it about a year and a half ago when I was on someone's podcast talking about Adam Driver. 
who by the way was also incredible in this oh my god like yes <laughs> the weight the weight yeah. loss jesus oh my god I no know. pun intended but oh my god seriously <laughs> and for his little time on screen liam neeson incredible incredible so good but that movie is so great it really hit me hard and it should have been nominated for more stuff i'm trying to think of what else to give a shout out to alice doesn't live here anymore is really fantastic Ellen Bernstein's mm-hmm. performance is so dynamic and so yeah. great. She's another character who I would definitely love to bring to a family dinner. I would absolutely love yes. to have her or she could make me dinner and then we could just talk about stuff like I love. That. <laughs> and in my opinion, one of the more underrated and I mean incredibly underrated films from Martin Scorsese is Bringing Out the Dead, which was the last film that he and Paul Schrader worked on. Nicolas Cage plays a paramedic who has a hard time sleeping. He is very messed up. It's so flashy and so saturated and it's so different from anything Scorsese has done, but it's a, it's one of those films to where you don't know what's going to happen. Nicholas Cage goes in with the performance, but it's one of his best performances ever. And they play yeah. an REM song, which automatically gets a bonus point from me because <laughs> rem is one of my favorite groups of all time and they play literally yes. my favorite song by them so when they were driving the ambulance in new york him and john goodman and all of a sudden what's the frequency kenneth started playing i got so excited like amanda i'm not even joking i played that scene back like 20 times yes. when i watched it for the first time because I'm i just love like, that i'm like i literally am hearing my favorite song by this group in a Scorsese movie and like during the perfect time in two, like it's the perfect. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Highly, highly recommend bringing out the dead. I mean, I, I, I can't it. really think of a Scorsese movie that I don't like because I like pretty much all of them. I mean, there are some films of his that I consider a little weaker, but mm-hmm. I mean, that just shows the power of Scorsese is that he always knocks yeah. it out of the park and to talk about some of the films he has coming out, obviously. All right. Let's talk about our hype for killers of the flower moon. Look like, I mean, it's going to be great. We know it's going to be great. Oh, yeah, for sure. We we know it's going to be great. And the cast assembled. I mean, first of all, DiCaprio working with Scorsese again. Incredible. They haven't worked together since Wolf of Wall Street, which was almost 10 years ago. I know. Oh, my God. Obviously, De Niro was just in The Irishman. So it's cool that he's working with Scorsese again. DiCaprio and Leo haven't worked together since DiCaprio was a kid. Like, it's been that yep. long. They did two films together with DiCaprio early on in DiCaprio's mm-hmm. career. And now they're yep. working together again. And these are the two actors that Scorsese has collaborated with the most. Like, yeah. these are his two leading men. And they're headlining the next film from Scorsese's catalog. And then you have one of the best actors working today, Jesse Clemens, in there. You yes. have Lily Gladstone, who... I haven't seen anything with her, but I'm sure she's going to knock it out of the park. I'm excited to yeah. see what she brings because I heard that from what I heard from people I know that have read the book that this movie is based on. Her role is very meaty. It's very big. And I'm so excited to see what she brings. Same. And, and I'm so excited for this Brendan Fraser renaissance where he has this. He has the whale. Yes. He has Batgirl. He has all these movies coming out. I'm so excited that he's making a comeback. I'm so excited for this movie. And another project that he has coming out, he's doing a movie about the Grateful Dead with Jonah Mm -hmm. Hill. And I'm not too familiar with the Grateful Dead, but anything that Scorsese attaches himself to, 
I will be there immediately. I will become a fan instantly and just like read everything about it and be there day one. I will do the exact same thing. (laughs) I will absolutely do the exact same thing. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, talk about your hype for Killers of the Flower Moon too. (laughs) I'm just, again, like this is a movie where we have De Niro and DiCaprio, as you said, and like this could very well be the last time that, and like the only time that we're ever going to get the both of them in a Scorsese picture, you know, together. And I think that's going to be emotional in itself because they're, you know, they're getting older and it's just something that you think about while watching it, like you're watching it as their characters in the movie, of course, like I said, with the Irishman, but then knowing like behind the scenes of it and like seeing De Niro with DiCaprio, it's going to like, it's going to hit 100%. Um, I'm really happy that Jesse Plemons kind of went under Scorsese's wing because I thought he was really great in the Irishman too. Same. With the little like screen time that he had. Um, so yeah, Plemons is just fantastic. He's so, so strong. Um, and I'm really happy that he's in this and I'm happy that Jonah Hill is working with Scorsese again. I think that Marty brings out the best in him as well. And that's just such a, for me, it's like, it's Jonah Hill and like, he's so incredibly talented and it makes me laugh that like, that's, that's a friendship. Like that's a colleague they're working together from like where Jonah started to now. Like, I think that's just so like impressive. And like, it's a testament of like his own talents and that, you know, him and Scorsese are that close now. Um, I, I'm just really looking forward to both of them. And like you said, I'll be there day one with like all this information and just rooting for them. 100% truly like, and, and that's also going to be with going back to Killers of the Flower Moon. It's going to be the first time mm. Scorsese's done a Western. He's never done a Western before. Right. I like, know. Listen, if you, if you want to get anyone to do a Western, make, I don't like Western. I'm not a big Western guy, but I'll be happy to watch anything that Marty does. If he wants to do a Western, sign me up. And he said, and he had said that this is going to be the last time we get something like this, like similar to the Irishman. Yeah. So like, obviously this is going to be like, a massive deal like this is going to be a huge deal yeah with movies coming out this year and movies to come from here on out but yeah i mean closing out our thoughts on marty we both love the guy he is one of the all-time great filmmakers he may not like marvel but that's okay we will always respect (laughs) him for what it is he says his style his vision is unlike anybody else that i've ever come across and I love the amount of range that he has as a filmmaker. Again, he can make a film like Wolf of Wall Street that is so hardcore art. And then he can make a film like Hugo, which is very sweet and wholesome for the whole family. He can make a film like yeah. Shutter Island that is very thought-provoking and mind-bending. And then he can make something like Rage and Bull, which is a film following a broken individual. Like He is great at what he does. We will never stop loving Marty. I cannot wait to see what these next few years of his career bring to us. He's just one of the greats. I completely agree. I really do. I think that he, let alone his filmmaking abilities, I think that he's doing so much um, for film in general. He's always even like producing all of these pictures. Um, He really loves giving new filmmakers a chance and like preserving films because, you know, everything's going digital. I'm someone like, I'm pretty sure you are too, Brian, where like, we need the hard copy of of literally everything because, you know, streaming can't really trust it majority of the time with all this like digital, you know, we can't trust it. So I think he's doing so much for cinema. He's done that over like four decades. And that's, what's just so impressive is that he keeps reinventing, you know, 
you know, cinema in that case, like doing a Western, doing a gangster film, like he just changes the game up 24 seven. So it's always new. It's always fresh and it's always original. And I think that's, what's so important in this climate right now. You can talk about Marvel like all day um, and what they're doing and what they're pushing out, but originality is really important. And he's giving people an outlet for that. 100% agree with you on that. 100%. So Amanda, I'm so glad that you got to come on today to talk to me about Martin Scorsese. I'm so glad that we got to chat it up. I'm really, really glad that you came on today. So thank you so much for coming on to my show. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. I could talk about Marty all day. This is fantastic. And we have similar lists, so I'm not that upset, you know, like we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy with the outcome of both of our lists. Yeah. So can you tell the audience where they could find you online. Yeah, for sure. You guys can always follow me over at AMX NDA Reviews on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. I have my own YouTube channel, Candid Cinema, and my own website, CandidXCinema.com. Yes, please give her a follow. Check out her content. Also, if you want to hear someone gush about Top Gun Maverick so much, follow Amanda. <laughs> Just follow. <laughs> it, it was it was going to be brought up at some point tonight. It had to happen. I, I almost forgot oh, about it. it. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Okay. There is something else that I forgot to bring up <laughs> because I was so focused on talking about Marty. And I'm like, oh, she brought mm -hmm. up Tom Cruise, Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you guys oh, can God. follow this show on any uh podcasting platform subscribe to us like us rate us whatever share this around you can follow me on social media brian suffield twitter youtube instagram and letterbox guys seriously from the bottom of my heart thank you so much for joining us today for film fragments lots of great stuff coming your way very very soon a lot of great episodes lots of great guests i cannot wait for you to see what's next for film fragments and we will see you for the very next episode take care everybody